This episode is dedicated to the memory of Mr. Malcolm Ewan, who recently passed after a long bout with cancer. He is one of the finest human beings I have been honored to know. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 32 of the podcast. Even though the PQ is coming up in a few days, and I've been crazy busy preparing a PQ flash talk, I couldn't let a week go by without bringing you another interview. It just took a little bit longer than I had planned. This week, my guest is Mr. Ed Deshay. Mr. Ed Deshay is an exceptional person who I'm grateful to have known since our paths first crossed here in Trinidad in 2009 during the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting. He was the production stage manager, and I was assisting with the lighting design. It was quite the experience, and we briefly touch on it during the interview. Later, he became a mentor to me as I began teaching here at the University of Trinidad and Tobago's Academy for the Performing Arts, guide me through some of the doubts that I encountered being a first-time university professor. Even today, he offers advice, insight, and counsel forged from the many roles and life experience he's had both in and out of the theater as a production stage manager, director, educator, granddad, and as a member of the United States Air Force Pararescue. I look forward to seeing with him again and listening to his many stories. Everyone working in theater should know Mr. Ed Deshay. Without further ado, Mr. Ed Deshay. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. Today, I am joined by the wonderful, outstanding <laughs> stage management expert, the mentor to many, Mr. Ed Deshay. Hello, Mr. Ed Deshay. How are you today? How are you doing, Richard? And first of all, I would not necessarily consider myself an expert. I'm a practitioner of and still a student of. Uh, and I'm fortunate. I'm trying to retire. <laughs> I really am. Uh, but I still get calls, so uh, I count the blessings. Uh, I'm happy to be here in Trinidad. I came down for a project, was brought in for a project, and uh, this happens annually. And uh, I'm pleased to be here mm -hmm. uh, because it also affords an opportunity to visit here at uh, the Academy for the Performing Arts at the University of Trinidad and Tobago and interface with students. Uh, I think that's important. Uh, my mother used to have a saying, uh, or more so a question. Have you ever seen a U-Haul following a hearse? <laughs> well, that kind of sets up. At this point, uh, I've been fortunate to have opportunities and people to take time and pass on their information. So I'm at the point now where, uh, where I'm trying to, or attempting to do the same uh, in terms of those uh, sharp, young, passionate, uh, inquisitive uh, students that want to achieve something, that have a dream, uh, that have the wherewithal to learn everything they can and, and pursue. Uh, so, it's good to be here. It is good to be here. Um, the first time, just to give everybody a little bit of background, the first time we met was in 2009, yes? 
at the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting, the Chogum meeting? As a matter of fact, yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, that was quite a uh, production. Uh, we had Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, and all of the heads of state and dignitaries from the British Commonwealth. Uh, so it was a, a, a heady uh, experience in presenting that. But the main part that where I was involved uh, was in the cultural uh, aspect of opening uh, the meeting uh, where the hosting country generally uh, has a cultural representation. Uh, this was, in this instance, uh, it was mounted by Brian McFarlane, uh, who was uh, doing that for the government of Trinidad. And basically, it was a scenario that uh, made folks uh, more aware of Trinidad, its history, its culture, and its uniqueness. Uh, I think we had about uh, 700 different performers in that. Yeah, it was it was quite extensive. It was like a cavalcade of stars. It's just in one side of the stage and off to the next. Yes, and uh, the new facility, the National Academy of Performing Arts. I think only one other production had been done in the house uh, that utilized uh, what was at that time. Uh, a new facility and what it had to offer. Uh, one of the most unique aspects being the slip stage, uh, four tongues that work horizontally and in fact the whole playing area uh, could be moved upstage. Uh, now this was tricky from the standpoint that it exposed the floor underneath that had uh, track grooves uh, for where the floor moved. It wasn't good for anybody, any ladies in heels uh, or friendly to them. Uh, but it, uh, you know, it's very rare that you get to call on the many different skill sets that you gain over the years and you can do it all in one project in one place. And with the scale of that production, it uh, facilitated a lot of that. Uh, now, what was interesting was that though at the time, as far as the public knew, the building had been turned over to the Trinidad government. Uh, it was, in fact, not really finished and complete yet, to the point that the stage systems were not run by stage technicians, uh, but by Chinese engineers who spoke no English. Uh, fortunately, there was a gentleman by the name of Eric Lee, who was the principal uh, translator uh, who I worked with. In fact, it was a funny little thing that happened. At one point, one of the engineers went to move a slip stage and did so prematurely. Now, the nature of those are that they go down in elevation before they start moving horizontally. And uh, he uh, misjudged and lowered the wrong section. In the process of doing it, there were bleachers there that had wheels for movement on stage and some of the wheels fell out. In any case, there was a big crash and work was stopped. Uh, they were rattled uh, and our concern, particularly my concern, was the human safety factor mm -hmm. in terms of fortunately there were no cast members there, there were no technicians there, nobody was injured. Uh, but basically it came to a work stoppage and uh, you have now 600 people standing around waiting to move ahead with rehearsal. Uh, it got rather tense 
And to lighten the situation, I said, uh, do I need to speak to Chairman Mao? No. <laughs> I okay. remember this. And it got very serious. They got very serious. Heads went together. And then they come back and say, okay, 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 we work, we work. And uh, later on, Eric, the translator, came to me and said, I know you didn't know, but the chairman of the Shanghai Construction Corporation, his name is Mao. <laughs> so in attempting to create a little levity, it, it actually moved the situation along. Uh, we were able to, uh, oh boy, it just brought a, a, a thought. Mm -hmm. We had, a, unfortunately, we were assigned a sound man who was not really uh, an experienced theatrical sound man. He was a DJ. Okay. And uh, I mentioned this to uh, Brian uh, about the fact that we needed somebody with more experience and evidently he wanted to go with this guy. So this guy had a shot. Uh, the morning of the event, uh, because of the heavy security, we had to uh, come together at 2 o'clock in the morning at uh, a uh, remote location to then mm -hmm. be transported through the, the circles of security. Each zone had a different color and such uh, to come into the theater. And we arrived here. The event didn't start until 10 a.m. in the morning, but we arrived here, I think it was probably about... Five, yeah, five o'clock in the morning. Real early. And uh, what is customarily done uh, the with the regiment uh, there and the trumpets and, well, I guess in this case, bugles, or in any case, brass horns to be blown. Uh, that fanfare would generally happen after the presentation of the prime minister. Okay. Uh, in this instance, the prime minister was not the biggest wig on the stage, but the queen was. Clearly. So, now protocol came to us. Now, this was just before we more or less went to places to get ready to do this and said, do not present the fanfare until after the queen takes the stage. And uh, so I was in the booth, and uh, the dignitaries are represented on stage from the different countries. They're presented, and they go and take their place on the dais. And it got down to the Queen. Now, what was unique, the uh, regiment was there to play the fanfare, but in this case, the National Anthem Trinidad was uh, recorded and would not be played live. Well, everybody else was on stage. The person before the Queen was the hosting Prime Minister, mm -hmm. and he took his place on stage. And just as the queen, I'm getting reports from backstage because there were stairs that went up to the riser level that took it onto the dais and there was a leg there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I understand the queen was about on the last step and getting ready to step on the level and she would then have stepped out from behind the leg and all of a sudden, the national anthem starts playing. <laughs> I turned around this sound person is standing in his chair, craning his neck, attempting to see the stage, and he says, you didn't say go. He was correct. I had not given a standby. I had not given a warrant. Needless to say, I hadn't said go. Uh -huh. uh, but once it's out there, and this is being televised to an audience of approximately 60 million people mm -hmm. around the world, uh, all we could do was let it play. 
After which, of course, the queen, in her stately manner, walked across the stage. Uh, she passed the prime minister and she took her position. It wasn't until later when you saw a television close-up. Uh, so succinctly did she look at him in such a way that blood should have appeared through razor cuts on his chest <laughs> after she passed him. You know, but this was, it was a minute thing, but it wasn't minute in terms of protocol, etc. When this event was over, I turned to him and said, in a different day and time, do you know how many heads would be rolling, literally? And mine wouldn't be the first. No, no, no. Okay, so uh, I suggested that he go and start making apologies and asked him, if, did he have any idea the apologies that would have to be made from the prime minister to dignitaries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's one of those things that uh, is nightmarish in the moment. Uh, and I'm glad that it worked out, uh, you know, but it's one of those things that you hope never happen, which goes to say, get the most qualified people you can, uh, particularly on uh, big scale events. Uh, for the uninitiated, for the unexperienced, it becomes a very, very heady experience, and uh, they lose sight and focus in the moment. Uh, and that was an example of that happening. And uh, so there's a lesson there, folks. <laughs> I, I, I am lucky to have uh, been privy to, to this conversation because I had been brought on. This was my second time in Trinidad. Because my first time was in 2000 for, for Panorama. Um, and I, I chalked the experience up as the experience that humbles you. Because that was the experience where I thought I knew stuff and, and I was completely proven wrong. Um, but in 2009 when I came back uh, and going through this process. Because at, at, up until that point, um, I had not worked on what would you consider like a big show. Like, I mean, I've worked on a theater, you know, you have three, 400 people in the audience and there's half a dozen people on stage or something to that extent, or maybe you work on a musical. And this was, as you said, like 700 plus performers, dignitaries, security, all sorts of going on things. So there's a lot of moving parts involved in this. Um, and, but I, of the, of the uh, I remember sitting in the, lighting booth which at that time was way up at the top on the third yeah it was on the third thing, tier yes. in back you, uh, what a nightmare that was and I remember hearing that conversation that you had oh, yes. and I was just like oh, oh well this is what was interesting way. this just had to do this happened with the dignitaries just coming on stage. We still had a 45 minute, 700 person cultural event to present. Yeah, exactly. So I couldn't vent the way I would like to. Right. You know, right. Uh, so that had to be held in check. Right. Uh, but what was unique about that too, with the dais being on stage with all the dignitaries on stage, as well as uh, audience in the house, mm -hmm. uh, and it being televised, uh, you were serving a different a number of different entities at the same time, uh, which presented a challenge. Everything basically that we did on stage, we had to do it upstage for the VIPs and also present it in such a way for, for the people in the house. Uh, what I find many times, and I don't know if this is indicative of what generally happens in uh, many developing countries and such, where 
the technology and uh, uh, the work ethic uh, is still being established at uh, levels that many times coming from other entities or coming from the U.S. we bring with us. Uh, but uh, it's a situation where it's not necessarily clear, are you serving the TV audience or those viewers that are watching remotely, or are you serving the live audiences in the house? I think sometimes that gets confused. My feeling is that people coming to an event like that should understand that they are coming to the recording, the taping of the given event, uh, which gives you more freeway to make sure, because what's going to last forever? I mean, uh, who's going to see it? what's the, the largest market that's going to see it? In that instance, it's going to be people at distance who are remotely watching it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that qualitatively you serve that in such a way that uh, everybody can be proud of, of what's done. Uh, it's a situation, too, in terms of, I love Trinidad. I've spent numerous years here. What was the what was the first year you you, you came? Ah, I first came. Uh, I was there was a backers audition of a production called Carnival Messiah, uh, that was essentially Handel's Messiah couched in Trinidad Carnival, and uh, a fantastic show. It had been done twice at the Yorkshire Playhouse uh, in Leeds. Uh, it had already been done once here in Trinidad at Queen's Hall. And this mounting was a backers audition for producers from Broadway who were coming to view the play. I was asked to come in by the Dream Team production uh, team that was uh, actually more so the liaison between the Broadway producers and the entity here in Trinidad. And... Uh, at that time, Queen's Hall had recently been renovated, and not everyone on staff was up to speed with what they had to work with. I came in to essentially just kind of whisper in ears and point, but I found myself more so taking over and being responsible for the activity and the production on the deck. And uh, large costumes, uh, it's a fantastic, in fact, in a sense, uh, uh, been filmed. Uh, we did a production of it, I think it was in 07, uh, in Leeds. We did it at the Harewood House, and this was a, a giant, in my reference to this type of tent, would be a giant circus tent. Okay. Three-posted tent. We had an audience uh, section of a thousand within this tent. Uh, but as opposed to items flying more so they would track, so it all had to be reconfigured uh, for this production. Uh, now, what was interesting on a personal basis was that uh, the Harewood House, uh, the family, uh, traditionally it belongs to the Lasalas family. The Lasalas family were the governors of Barbados. The Harewood House is, uh, it's over the top is the best way to express it. I mean, there's more Baroque, Rococo, and all, everything that you can, of, that would exist in a manner, in a state of uh, that stature, it's there. The accoutrements. Uh, but going down into the kitchen were the blocks of sugar. Uh -huh. 
And as you heard the history of the family and such, you know how the sugar trade worked and how that sugar was harvested. And so basically, essentially, uh, I kind of felt that some of what I was looking at was established on blood money. Uh, people died okay. to afford the stature of living for some people. Uh, that was that time. Uh, the Lasalas family has since uh, attempted to do things of a more public nature in support of uh, marginalized people, people that need help. And in fact, in terms of the mounting of this production at their estate, uh, was part of that. In any case, it is going ahead. It has been filled. I have not seen the film, mm -hmm. uh, but I know the production itself. If they uh, did a good job with it, I'm sure it's fantastic. There's many people here in Trinidad who haven't seen it. I understand there was a showing here. I do recall when at home in California getting a letter uh, that was forwarded to me from Trinidad that was an invitation to see the viewing in the UK, but there was no plane ticket included. Ah, so, <laughs> yeah. But uh, Carnival Messiah, a fantastic production. So uh, at the completion of it, I felt I could give something, so I stayed initially to do workshops uh, for the Queen's Hall staff. And I started off with about seven people from Queen's Hall and staff and it was a week-long five-day uh, workshop and by day three the class had grown to 30 people and that was uh, the Ministry of Culture had sent uh, other others other than the Queen's Hall staff to take advantage of this and it became a, a very positive uh, experience and uh, I think it was beneficial in a lot of ways. Uh, primarily, it was about production. Uh, my mainstay is stage management, mm -hmm. uh, but it all the aspects that go into stage management, from all the different aspects, from lighting, the sound, the props, the costumes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, mm -hmm. All of that uh, was given time and focused upon to try to bring people up and up their game somewhat. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did that. I felt I could give more. And I was then directed out to the University of West Indies, uh, where I met two individuals, Raul Gibbons uh, and Danny Lindersay, who essentially at that time were running the program. And I inquired of how I could be supportive to what they were doing. I found out they had technical theater on their books, but at the time nobody was teaching it. I said, well, I can do that. And I wanted to be here. Obviously, from the standpoint that in that initial exchange, which lasted seven years, I was only supposed to be here a month. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically, I received a work permit and paid for hours worked, period. Mm -hmm. But uh, in that I was here and I had a work permit, it enabled me to hustle and call on skill sets and do some outside things that were able to sustain me. Uh, I had left Trinidad and returned to the States and uh, had gotten calls to do a number of things, but I was uh, directing and doing some other things. But it so happened I did get a call to do the 50th Independence Anniversary Celebration uh, and was available. And once again, I worked with Brian McFarlane uh, mounting that. And during the time that I was here doing that, I uh, was to a degree courted by UTT and uh, we started a relationship uh, that actually ended 
with me having, I guess, what would be a dream job. But I came initially as a, a visiting artist and then artist in residence and ultimately uh, as a professor on faculty and production manager for the Academy of Performing Arts. And uh, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just walking the halls and hearing creativity coming from the doors of different classrooms, uh, uh, it quickened the senses. It definitely, it definitely, there's something about the arts, just in general. I mean, when you're around the creative force, the creative, you have that creative feel around you. It, it does. It's very enlivening if you are attuned to that, that feeling. Because in, in some way, we're all touched by, by it, whether um, we realize it or not, whether it be music or a film or, you know, a, a, something hanging on the wall or something we walk on, you know, that's... I, I have found much joy in in being in the in the creative arts, the production arts particularly, um, just because it attacks so many different parts of, of who I am, whether it be scientific or creative or whatever it may be. Um, so, uh, with the, you, you keep saying you're, you're you're trying to retire. But you recently did a, uh, you stage managed a show in California. Oh, yes, I just uh, recently closed, actually it closed about three days uh, before I departed to come to Trinidad. Uh, I was doing August Wilson's Two Trains Running uh, in Los Angeles at the Matrix Theater. Uh, Sophina Brown was a producer and it was directed by Michelle Shea, who has done a number of August Wilson plays and a very fine director. Uh, it had a wonderful cast, and it was the first time in decades that I actually done Waver Theater, uh, or what we might, in the East Coast, it might be considered showcase theater. But basically it was a 99-seater, living room theater kind of, so it was very intimate. And uh, actually it was set up for, the, in, in fact, now that I'm thinking about this, it was set up for the stage manager to run lights and sound and talk to themselves. but the last time I had countered that situation I was fortunate enough uh, some years ago uh, working with the McCarter Theater uh, on the play Having Our Say uh, which was about the Delaney sisters there was an exchange between uh, the Market Theater in South Africa uh, bringing Fugard's Captain's Tiger uh, to the U.S. And uh, the other part of the exchange was to take Having Our Say to the Market Theater there. And what I found in terms of the stage managers there were exactly in that situation because they had no communication uh, from front of house to backstage. And basically the stage manager ran the whole show in terms of the technical aspects of it. Of course, you'd have to have uh, uh, somebody backstage to run props and handle that part of it as necessary. Uh, but that was the last encounter I had where uh, stage manager did a lot more than stage manage. Uh, so in, at least in this instance, in doing the August Wilson piece, uh, I called the show. And that, that presented interesting circumstances. We did a five-show week, uh, Thursday night, Friday night, two on Saturday and one on Sunday, matinee, closing the matinee. That's always nice. But on one occasion, uh, our assigned technician uh, was ill. So out of five shows in one week, I had four different technicians uh, that I had to kind of 
bring up to speed to, mm -hmm. to work the show. And it, it worked. It worked. Uh, and, I mean, at this point, uh, it was more than an exercise. I mean, because, of course, you give yourself to a show. Uh, and what was unique, and I mean, shows the fact that I wanted to do it, where I lived is a good two-hour drive from Los Angeles. So this running time, actual running time on the show was two and a half hours. But I had to drive four hours in order to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, my time in the theater, you know, getting there early enough to open the doors and yada yada, uh, at least an hour and a half before curtain time. Uh, I mean, it made it for a longer day, but I was glad once the show opened, when it was primarily just coming in and doing the show, even on two show days. Mm -hmm. But it made for a, a, a short turnaround because uh, we'd come down at, uh, depending on audience. And that's the thing, too, in terms of small houses, nobody ever thinks about this. In terms of restroom facilities, there's generally never enough, particularly for the ladies. Subsequently, at intermission, you will have a line waiting, and you don't want to disserve anyone, so you generally wait until the line is short or the last person is on their way back into the theater before you go up with the second act. Mm -hmm. So what was uh, scheduled to be a 15 intermission, our longest one, and it was during a full house, of course, turned out to be 25 minutes. Uh, but... <laughs> There's no way around that. Right. It comes with the territory. Uh, let me see. What else? Uh, but it was good to do that, and it was a good exercise for me, you know, and I feel it's necessary. I, I'm, you know, yes, I say I want to retire, uh, but I still enjoy theater. It's still a, a jealous love. Uh, and... Uh, Yes, I'll drive four hours to do it. Yeah, exactly. You know, but uh, then to come here now, there was a 20-hour altogether flying time from the time I left home to the time that I got to where I'm staying here in Trinidad. That was a 20-hour trip, uh -huh. only to go right into a production meeting. Uh, but, you know, that's what comes with the territory. Uh, and I've, I've invested years here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I care about those that are in the business here. But a lot of things come with the change of countries and how the arts are approached. Trinidad is a very culturally viable place. Mm -hmm. There's so much going on. But it's a question of, well, what level is it going on in terms of what we'd consider legitimate theater? Uh, the closest to that here is more so, I would say, educational theater or more so what would be kind of community theater. Uh, so, I mean, there's skill sets that people don't have, and there are certain things that you have to bring to bear. Uh, a lot of people know here me here uh, because of a saying that I would kind of drive home, and that is, it's called show business, not show fun. <laughs> but if we take care of business, we can have some fun. In the final instance, I love to being able to say it's a business doing pleasure with you. And uh, fortunately, I get to work with some of my students even. And uh, I've been told that I've changed the landscape here a little bit. Uh, I would hope all for the better. And, uh, but it's always great to come back. And and it's been uh, it's been fascinating to to be your friend, and and continue to work with you because I certainly have learned. And I have to applaud you uh -oh. and salute you, sir. I mean, what you've been doing uh, is so important and vital, not just to folks here in terms of your technical theater website, 
I think that uh, I have uh, colleagues in the States who I mentioned it to and they uh, subscribe to it as well. Uh, so please, uh, and the fact that it, people from all over are contributing to it, you know, which makes it uh, at an international clearinghouse of sorts in terms mm -hmm. of things that, nothing new under the sun, of things that have been done and the changes that are afoot. And uh, thank you for doing what you're doing. Absolutely, absolutely. I, like I said, it's one of the one of the things that has inspired me uh, since I got this kind of all started is the fact that I was I opened myself up. I said I can't continue to live in this very narrow view of my of my existence. Coming to Trinidad has been a wonderful experience. Certainly, it has its frustrating moments, and certainly there are things where it's like bureaucracy is bureaucracy, no matter where you are around the world. But if you if you put that aside, there you're right. Very viable, very rich, very very exciting. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent here. Um, you know, the situation is different. I mean, I I had occasion to uh, work at UCLA and uh, teach stage management there. And that was a facility that was so rich in terms of all the accoutrements that you could ever want having to do with theater, a scene shop to die for, uh, paint racks, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was a given tendency, I wouldn't necessarily ascribe it to entitlement, uh, but many times familiarity breeds contempt. People don't necessarily take advantage of what's close to them and they overlook it or, uh, you know, don't give it its due consideration. Uh, but having to tell students, you know, please look around, pay attention, take advantage of everything you have here, because once you leave here, it's gonna be very seldom you're in any institution that's gonna have all of this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, gain from it. Uh, one of the things that, that was kind of the, the gravitational pull for me to be here in Trinidad was that a lot of those things systems and you know those accoutrements that uh, they don't exist here but the students uh when i interfaced with students they were very very hungry uh and they really wanted to know i think that was a large part of what uh, made it worthwhile and was fulfilling for me to be here uh, you run into different kind of attitudes uh, I mean, of course, see, we have, uh, well, in the States, we have actors' equity for professional actors. And, I mean, once you get to the level that you're in professional theater, uh, you're protected by the union. Uh, it's a lot difficult, more difficult, uh, when you don't have a structure uh, that uh, sets up perimeters uh, and parameters for uh, how it should be done, who's responsible for what. Uh, but what I've tried to do every place I go is basically uh, those standards of professional theater is established that as a foundation in the mix. Mm -hmm. uh, because I've worked some productions here. Uh, one production, one of the first major productions I did here was the brand new Lucky Diamond Horseshoe Club. Uh, the music and lyrics were written by David Rudder who is a Calypso uh, Soka uh, icon here in Trinidad. Uh, the book, and uh, it was directed by Tony Hall, who is a mainstay of Trinidad cultural life, uh, uh, TV uh, notable, uh, 
uh, for years, he's, he's in a sense labored in the fields in terms of uh, cultural representation. Uh, a lot of it having to do with people being aware of and learning about their own culture. Uh, for me, part of being here was about an exchange. Yes, I can bring those skill sets that I know, but at the same time, the other part of that was gleaning and gaining from the cultural elements that are here. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm glad for the opportunity to have done so. And we, uh, we are all better because of it. Ah. We're all better because of it. But uh, I know that uh, uh, we've got to uh, wrap this up pretty quick. Um, I know that uh, uh, we got, uh, you got plans for this evening. Um, going to hang out with uh, Three Canal? Three Canal. Three Canal. Three Canal, a musical entity here in Trinidad. I was fortunate enough to stage manage uh, their productions for a number of years. Uh, when they first went into Queen's Hall. Uh, and a, a true theatrical, Queen's Hall is one of the, uh, if you will, a cultural palace here in uh, Trinidad. It, it's their, I would say it has been their primary indoor facility for theatrical presentations. Uh, and on an international basis as well, a lot of shows. In fact, like Carnival Messiah, when I joined it, that's the venue that it was working. And this was their second mounting of it there. Uh, it was from the UK. Uh, that's the beauty of this work too. Uh, the people that you have an opportunity to meet and exchange with, and I want to mention his name, Graham Nixon was uh, the technical director for that production and it was uh, there was a lot of things flying, a lot of things moving, a very prop-heavy show, large cast, uh, and I valued the opportunity of meeting and working with him, and that also carried over for when I went to Leeds to mount that production at the Harewood House, he was involved. And that's great when you uh, have uh, cultural and, and artistic relationships with folks and you get to come together and there's a sense of continuity uh, that is really fantastic and I love. So it's good seeing you as well, sir. Absolutely. Let's keep the continuity going. Yes, yes, yes. Right. So uh, So now it's coffee or is it time to get a, a drink? Well, let's get coffee first. Let's get coffee first. <laughs> All right. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, again, I want to thank, my, thank uh, my guest. No, not my guest, my friend. You are my friend. You shall be, and always shall be my friend. We are friend and colleagues. Absolutely. And Mr. We're, we're fortunate that we get to create together. Absolutely. So, he's not retired, folks. <laughs> keep, keep him working. All right. We're going to call it here. Thank you. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us on this latest episode of the podcast. Remember, this podcast is listener supported, so wherever you get it, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This podcast can be found on such platforms as iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Stitcher. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, we can be reached at archivett24 at yahoo.com. Again, that's A-R-C-H-I-V-E-T-T-24 -T -T at yahoo.com. You can also find us on Facebook 
at Archiving Technical Theater History. We appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.